and good. Today, we're going to be talking about forgiveness. And you know, forgiveness can occur in all kinds of different situations and all kinds of people and things involved with forgiveness. John received a parrot for his birthday. And unfortunately for John, his birthday also fell very close to Christmas. So he had to spend his whole life celebrating his first day and then shortly after Christmas. This parrot was fully grown with a bad attitude and a worse vocabulary. Every other word was an expletive. Those that weren't expletives were, to say the least, rude. John tried hard to change the bird's attitude and was constantly saying nice, caring words, was playing soft music, and anything that came to his mind, and nothing worked. He yelled at the bird, got worse. He shook the bird, got, bird got angry, and everything became much worse. Finally, in a moment of desperation, John put the parrot in a freezer stocked with holiday foods, a few moments at later, he heard the bird shrieking and kicking and yelling and screaming, and then nothing. He didn't hear anything. John was frightened that he might have actually hurt the bird and quickly opened the freezer door. The parrot calmly stepped out onto John's extended arm and said, I'm sorry that I offended you with my language and my actions. I ask for your forgiveness. I will try to change my ways. John was astounded about the bird's change in attitude and was about to ask what changed him when the parrot looked back at the still open freezer, shuddered, and said, the turkey must have been a whole lot worse than me. <laughs> How often have we heard over and over the years coming to church a minister saying, I want to tell you the good news, the really good news, that through Jesus Christ, through the love of God, you have been all truly forgiven. Melanie did a great job just a little while ago. How often have we heard that? No matter what we've done, no matter what we have not done, no matter what we've said or not said, no matter what we have thought or not thought, we have been truly forgiven by God. Once we truly realize that through God's love for us we have been forgiven, then what? What do we do? What are we supposed to do now with our forgiveness? And this is the theme of this sermon. Our second scriptural reading for today, read by Mickey, gives us an idea of what we are to do. The story takes place at a dinner party. By the time of the, by the, time of the party, Je Jesus' fame had spread far and wide. He received quite a bit of public notice. All sorts of people had been attracted to him. The rich, the poor, the educated, the illiterate from the highly respected to those cast out by society. To have this rabbi come to dinner was very special, and everyone would have been excited. 
and perhaps a little bit nervous at the same time. After all, this teacher had some not too complimentary words to say about the religious folks called Pharisees, one of whom was his host for the dinner. Suddenly, an uninvited guest appears. We are told that it is a woman who had led a rather sinful life in town. She comes to Jesus, begins to pour expensive perfume on Jesus' feet, weeping as she does so. Then she wipes his feet with her tears and her hair and cries and cries before him. The other guests were shocked and just stared, wide-eyed and open-mouthed. If you think these actions would have made us comfortable today, they would have been unimaginable at the time of Jesus. Women did not intrude into the company of men at the dinner table. As to her public display of affection, it would have been excessive to the extreme. Letting down your hair in public, wiping his feet with it, and then kissing his feet? Jesus could not Jesus could have just sent her away. The story makes it clear that that is what his host and the dinner guests expected. But instead, Jesus defends her with another parable, his favorite teaching tool. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50 denarii. A denarius was a day's wage. Neither of them had the money to pay back the moneylender. So the moneylender canceled the debts of both of them. Then Jesus asked Simon, which of them will love him more? Simon replies, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. And Jesus says, you're right. You're right. Then Jesus tells his host the reason for this woman's remarkable behavior. She had heard his word of forgiveness and had come to Simon's house to experience the remarkable sense of healing that comes with forgiveness. Now, she apparently had done a lot of things for which she needed forgiveness. Jesus explains the significance of the woman and her actions by saying, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven, and therefore she has great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he says to the woman, your sins are forgiven. We may not be that woman of the city, but there are sins we all have committed that reside deep down within us. Mark Twain once said that everyone is like the moon. We each have a dark side which never shows and no one can see. But God knows the darkness within. God knows the shameful thoughts, the hidden actions, and the unkind words, the careless deeds that are part of all of our lives. And yet God accepts us just as we are, dark side and all, all of our sins, all of our transgressions, all of our sinful acts and thoughts are completely drowned 
in the sea of God's love and forgiveness. So what are we supposed to do with this amazing gift of forgiveness? In answer to this question, I'd like to begin with what our forgiveness from God does not do. In answer to this question, we look at what cannot be removed by forgiveness. First, while we may be forgiven by God, if our actions or inactions or words have violated a law of the society in which we live, consequences of that violation will still be upon us. If we injure someone while we're driving under the influence of alcohol or a drug, then the criminal and civil tenets of the law will still be upon us. We may impress a judge or the people we've harmed because of the change that has come over us because of our forgiveness by God, but the tenets of both criminal and civil law will still be carried out and the price they call for will be will be served or paid or both. The second thing our forgiveness does not give us, the second thing forgiveness does not give us is the right to continue the same behavior we engaged in for which receive for which we receive forgiveness. This was an issue going back to the early church and can be stated this way. If I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God will forgive me for my conduct, why can't I just continue with that same conduct and then seek God's forgiveness when I want to? The Apostle Paul answered that question at Romans 6, verses 1 through 2. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So now that we know what being forgiven does not give us, what does it give us? We are truly forgiven by God. When we are truly forgiven by God, we become free free to make a new start. That is the meaning of the word repentance. It is not simply feeling sorry for our sin. Repentance is a change of mind, a change of attitude, a change of direction. Doris Donnelly, a professor of theology and a well-published author, said, Forgiveness is an invitation to redeem failure. Through forgiveness, we know that the slate has been wiped clean. We can start a new way. We can start in again. We have a new start. I frequently use these words, that forgiveness means we are to make a 180-degree turn from our past actions and an entirely new course will be set for us by God. Secondly, knowing that we are forgiven also allows us to forgive others. If you know yourself to be a sinner, which of course we all are, and forgiven for that sin only through the grace of God, how can we possibly not forgive others? for their sins that at least involved us. 
George Whitefield was a great evangelist and one of the <coughs> founders of the Methodist movement. When he saw a condemned man going to the gallows, he whispered these famous words, There, but for the grace of God, go I. George Whitfield knew that he lives solely by forgiveness, and so should we. But many of us do not want to forgive. We keep and continually feed our resentments and our grudges. But Jesus comes to us and says, you are forgiven. And suddenly we can realize that we too should forgive. God's love and forgiveness is for all. Forgiveness first becomes real when it is received, taken in, when it is really accepted. However, forgiveness can only be taken so far. And it is taken further when we extend it to others. This brings us to a third thing that experiencing forgiveness does for us. It allows us to be in a much more loving relationship with God. We are forgiven. We can feel the impact of that fact in our hearts and in our minds. And in that understanding, when we experience God's forgiveness, it also removes a barrier, a barrier between us and God. That sin separates us from God. That is what the barrier is made of. Now, God doesn't go anywhere. We turn our backs on God. We turn our backs on God. When we fail to live up to the life that God would have us live, that's exactly what we're doing. The cure for separation from God is God's forgiveness. When we receive it, we also receive God back into our lives. We turn back to God. We can see God. We can feel God. We are now free to truly love God with all our hearts, souls, minds, and strength. Sin no longer stands between us. That kind of love and devotion is what our scriptural, second scriptural reading from Luke is all about. Remember the words of Jesus. I tell you, her sins are forgiven. Therefore, she has shown great love. All we need to do is to recognize that we all need forgiveness for some action we have taken or some act we failed to take, some word we have stated or failed to state, or thought that we had and failed to think the appropriate thought. Then when we sincerely ask God for forgiveness, the wondrous love of God will wash over us. And once again, the worry, the guilt, and the fear we have been living with because of our sin will be replaced with the indescribable love we will have for God for the act of forgiveness. And that love will be for and from God. 
We can all experience that love today. We can. We can all receive it from God. All we have to do is ask for forgiveness. Move our pride out of the way. Move our egos out of the way. And humbly come to God and ask for forgiveness. And if we do ask for that forgiveness, it will happen. It will happen. So today, let's ask God for forgiveness for all those things that have separated us from God and all those things that we have done in our lives that have built that barrier with God. And if we truly ask for it, we will receive it. That barrier goes away. So today, let's do that. And once again, if we ask for forgiveness, it will happen. May it be today. Amen.